Xenophobia is the fear of someone who is different from us. Hostility towards quote-unquote outsiders is often a reaction to this fear, as well as feeling uncomfortable around people who fall into a different group. Asian Americans across the United States are reporting a significant increase in hate crimes, hostility, harassment tied to the spread of COVID-19 pandemic. More than a year after these attacks began, there's been a righteous movement rising for this very hour. On this episode of Keep It 100, we will hit the table to talk about this phenomenon and have a conversation with Asian Arising founder, Jason Nettles. Welcome to Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight, your real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Everybody, it is Sean and Krista coming at you with another episode of Keep It 100. Hey, hey, fam. Come on. We just want to take a moment before we dive into what I believe is such an important episode. I'm so excited about this episode. But before we dive in, I just want to simply thank you, all of you who have encouraged us, given us reviews or social media shout outs. We've been so encouraged, Sean yes, and I, that yes, this labor have. of love, our podcast, has blessed and resonated with so many of you. We're super honored that you guys are taking the time downloading it and we're just really grateful for your support yes we are come on you know sean and i have both been working on some writing projects and my first book is coming out july 20th Woo-hoo. come on i'll be telling you more about it in some upcoming episodes sean's actually on his fourth book and in the midst of all that writing we've actually been traveling to cities near probably some of you and we've just seen god move in such incredible ways you know sean and i both feel like this last year was a spiritual flashpoint for both our voices and our ministry. The doors have opened up are pretty incredible. We've been really amazed, but really humbled by how the Lord has just opened up, I believe, some really incredible doors. Um, You know, and that includes the 85 nations that are actually currently listening to this podcast. When we got that number, we were stunned. Yeah. 85 nations. I love, Boo, that you used the word flashpoint because the definition of flashpoint is actually two parts. First part of flashpoint is the temperature at which a particular organic compound gives off sufficient vapor to ignite in air. So it's another way of what we would use in urban terminology and say blowing up. And last year, God spiritually has allowed, in a good way, of course, our ministry to blow up Mm -hmm. and expand our platform. But the secondary definition of the word flashpoint is a place, event, or time at which trouble, such as violence or anger, flares up. So speaking of Flashpoint, we recently have had a Flashpoint in Atlanta. The recent Atlanta tragic killing spree has highlighted hate crimes and harassment against Asian Americans. This is so grievous. Asian Americans across the United States are reporting a significant increase in hate crimes and racial targeting tied to the spread of the coronavirus. And what's really interesting, we have to understand, is for a large number of the young generation of the AAPI, which for those of you that are not familiar with that acronym, it simply stands for Asian American Pacific Islander. They're now seeing for the first time actual violence directed at them personally, as well as their families. Up until this point, it's mainly been something maybe their grandparents or their parents have dealt with, but now it's hitting them on a personal level. You know, I wanted to bring some really powerful remarks that Daniel Day Kim petitioned before Congress on March 18th. And he said some facts that I felt like were really important to bring to the conversation today. So here's some dates that I want to bring to you. And it reads, 
July 14th in Brooklyn, New York, two men approached an 89 year old Asian woman, slapped her across the face and then lit her clothes on fire. My God. Right. On September 27th in New, wow, in New York City, a group of eight men brutally beat a man after it came off the subway yelling Asian slurs. He was a professional jazz pianist beaten so badly he could no longer play. On February 3rd, an Asian man while waiting at New York City subway was cut across his face ear to ear with a box knife. And on February 16th, an 84-year-old Thai immigrant taking his morning walk in the San Francisco neighborhood when a 19-year-old man ran across the street and pushed him so hard he hit the cement, killing him. And then on March 9th in Oakland, California, another elderly Asian man was taking his morning walk and was assaulted and robbed by a 26-year-old man and then died from the injuries two years later. And then as Sean mentioned earlier, then March 16th, a man walks into a massage parlor and killed seven Asian people, six of them being Asian women and one Asian man in Atlanta, Georgia. And friends, this is so grievous. But what is really sobering is these are only a few of the 3,800 reported anti-Asian hate crimes that have taken place in the United States of America since March 2020. These incidences are so demonic and we can't be okay with this. There has to be a rising up of people to just say this is wrong. Jesus has an answer for this. That's so tragic when you look at these incidences and real life stories that really portend to this recent rise But this recent rise in anti-Asian hate crimes doesn't mean that anti-Asian racism is new. That's right. It's interesting, Boo, because as you know, and uh, my grandfather was 100% Asian. My Asian grandfather had a small corner grocery store in Arkansas, which is where he met my Southern black grandmother in Dumas, and they had my mom. Right. Which really showed there was an interesting connection between historic Asian Americans and African Americans And doing some research, the first Asian origin people known to arrive in North America after the beginning of the European colonizations were a group of Filipinos. Hey, my Filipino brothers and sisters. (laughs) Followed by a handful of Chinese merchants with the establishment of the old China trade. The first major wave of Asian immigration was in the 1850s. And this was post-Civil War during the Reconstruction time. Many Chinese and Asian men were brought in to work on the transcontinental railroads and plantations. But after the completion of the railroad, many stayed and were forced to work on plantations picking cotton. Then Congress, in an effort to try to get the Chinese to go back after they had finished the railroad, they passed the most racist law ever, the only law in American history that targeted specifically in its verbiage a particular ethnic group. And in 1882, the Chinese Exclusionary Act was passed by Congress. And under the Chinese Exclusionary Act, the men who came here that worked, the Asian men, could not bring their wives and kids, and those who were single could not marry outside their race. They couldn't vote. They couldn't become a naturalized citizen. They couldn't own land in many parts of the country until the Magnuson Act on December 17, 1943, allowed just 105 Chinese to enter the U.S. per year. And ultimately, the limitations weren't lifted until the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965. Gosh, you know, we have to understand 1965, that is not old history. Friends, that's our history. And I know for some of you listening, you're like, I wasn't even alive then. Yeah, but your parents were. Your grandparents were. This is your generational history. That is so true. Also, interesting, I want to kind of build on that, that the connection between Asian American and African Americans actually continued on 
Uh, later on, Chinese and Asians Americans were subject to Jim Crow laws of the pre-civil rights era, and they were not allowed to live in white neighborhoods. And in order to stay in the U.S., the Asians had to own their own business, so many of them started little stores during the Depression. And it was so interesting because the connection with Asian Americans and African Americans were the only people who would loan to African Americans were the Asians. And outside of the Asians, the biggest customers of the Asian American businesses were African Americans. And so they kind of worked this thing out where particularly the Asian American or Chinese grocery store owners would allow there to be credit for African Americans. They could write their name in a book. And when you got paid, you could pay off your tab. That was like layaway back in the day, y'all. <laughs> the Chinese grocery store owners would also exchange with African Americans, where the African Americans would exchange and do services for them in exchange for food or groceries. And also speaking of the Asian Americans, they were not allowed to go to the white only schools. So the churches stepped up and brought teachers for the Asian kids that they all met in one schoolhouse. And mm. so they were also impacted by segregation laws. Wow. And then to bring it up to a closer modern day, it's interesting, uh, the connection between African and Asian Americans continues. When Dr. King began the civil rights movement, he wrote about it in his first book, Stride Toward Freedom. And he wrote about it in his book, Dr. Martin Luther King, that when they were starting the Montgomery bus boycott, Dr. King wrote in his book that the first support for the civil rights movement came from Asian countries. Wow. You know, I'm really excited that the conversation continues. Jason Nettles is an Asian American and he is the founder of Asia Arising and he's worked with the SIND. Many of you know about the SIND. And Sean and I really believe that God has raised him up in this hour and is really using his voice for the moment that we're in. So keep it 100. Get ready. Hey, keep it 100 tribe. You are going to be blessed. I've got a good friend, Jason Nettles. This guy heads up a movement called Asia Arising. Has been a missionary. Uh, even on his bio, he says part-time ninja. I know he can beat up on some devils. Jason, what's going on? Welcome to Keep It 100. What's up, Sean? It's good to be here with a legend like yourself. It's an honor to be here with you and uh, Keep It 100. That's so kind of you, bro, man. And we're so blessed to have you. So let's jump in this. Man, you know, an MCU talk. Give us your origin story. You know, starting off, you know, I'm Korean-American. Uh, I was born in Korea and then I was given up for adoption. And I was in this orphanage till about two and a half years old. Wow. And then my parents here in America, they were unable to have children, but because they weren't able to have children, they went the adoption route and they adopted me from Korea. Uh, so I was raised here in America. Uh, this is kind of our connection, Sean, in the 209, uh, the Modesto area in California. Hey, uh, hey 209. Uh, and for me, I, I pretty much the way I was raised, I, I grew up in a culture and in my area, I know I said California, but there weren't a ton of Asians in my area. Uh, and I ended up, my parents brought me to this incredible church. Uh, some people might know the name Glen Berteau and that incredible church, the House Modesto. And uh, that's actually where I came to faith. And I got radically saved at 15 years old, uh, received a radical calling to the full-time ministry at 17. And I just, I just really dove in head first. My background uh, as far as career was I started pastoring at 19 and I worked within the local church for about eight years. Uh, and then I jumped into full-time missions for about seven years. And for the past couple of years, I've been working within catalytic stadium events, national events that gather like large amounts of people. My last big project was The Send. And we gathered yes. 61,000 at the Citrus Bowl. And so that was the last thing. So I say that though, bringing in my cultural piece here as a Korean, I was 27 years old, Sean. 
And wow. I did not even know what kimchi was. Wow. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't have any connection to Asians or Koreans or my heritage. And me growing up, I was totally fine with being the Asian. I assimilated and I really integrated in culture. So honestly, I was blessed in my experience as an adoptee, but I did not know anything about my Asian roots. And what happens is Dan McCollum uh, out there, Vacaville, Dan McCollum calls me out of the crowd. I do not know who he is. And he literally says, young man, would you stand up? And he literally just gives me this word for about 60 seconds and says, there's a gift on your life for the Korean people and God's raising you up as a deliverer. I know, wow. I don't know any Asian, Sean. <laughs> and I promise you, three months later, God hijacked me out of what I was doing, out of local church and said, move and join the prayer movement and the missions movement. And I'll, I'll give you the rest once you say yes. Four months later, I jumped full-time in the missions. And that is when I began to discover my Asian heritage, my Asian identity, my history, my food, uh, even revival history of Korea, and really beginning to engage with the Asian culture. So when I just got to say this from the jump for everyone listening, what I'll share today is a unique perspective because I didn't grow up in the typical Asian narrative. I didn't have immigrant parents. And I'm learning about Asian culture as much as maybe you would, Sean. And you don't know anything and you would just start researching. You'd start asking questions. You'd start getting around Asians. And that's how you would learn. That's been my journey, Sean, of just playing catch up from 27 years kind of being detached from my heritage. So, man, tell me, Jason, how did you go from the place that you were into Asia Arising? And maybe even give us a little understanding of what Asia Arising, but tell us about it. Those are good questions, too, because there's good answers there. Man, I, since I got saved, I prayed this prayer, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You say the word, my bags are packed. Since I was 15, I literally prayed that prayer. And I even was saying, if you want me to move to China, I'll do it, God. Because I just wanted to give God that blank check, yes. You know, in Korean, the Korean missionaries, we always talked, it's a famous statement, giving God your thousand yeses. And, you know, wanting to give him as many yeses as you can. And so I've lived that the majority of my life and the best to the best of my ability, by no means perfect, none of us. But the craziest part of that story, Sean, and we didn't even prep this, I literally felt the Lord tell me back uh, in, in 2019, literally said, Jason, I'm radically moving and shifting you again. And I promise you, Sean, he literally said, I want you to move to Southern California, LA, and I'm going to do something among the Korean Asian community nationally and globally. And I want you to move there, Jason, no money, no set salary, no house, none of it. Just literally said, start road tripping from Orlando, Florida after the send and literally rerouted me to say, Jason, will you say yes again? And all I can say is in tears and a deep, deep conviction. We know when God's speaking, you can't shake it. I just knew that I knew that I knew the Lord was saying, right now, Jason, just take the first step and the rest will unravel. And honestly, the rest is history in the sense I got here and in a matter of months, I was trying to figure things out and it was kind of a faith journey. We were figuring out things. God was sending different provision, random checks, $15,000 from these Asians that were watching me preach one night and they just felt led to cut me this check. Like God was providing and opening up doors. But here's my point, by saying yes and getting here, that's kind of where Asia Rising came about. I was actually on a long extended fast I was with a brother on this fast and we felt the Lord as we were praying during this time that God was raising up the Asian voice 
in this hour that now is the time for the Asian community, that now is the time. Look to culture, look to the rest of the world, look to K-pop. Asia is rising, but what about the church? What about the, the people of God? What about the Asian American diaspora? Cindy Jacobs years ago used to say, she said, look to K-pop. And when K-pop, you see the explosion of popularity, she literally said, the Asians are coming. The Asians are coming. K-pop will be a that God is coming to the Asian Korean population. I'm here to say and go on the record, that time is now. Say that, bro. And that, what you're hearing right now, I'm I'm, I'm preaching right now because it's my heart, it's my conviction, but that gripped my soul out of this 40-day fast. And all I felt God telling me was this, Asia rising. That's all. All that happened. This was in March. This is pre-COVID explosion, pre-national state of emergency. Trump announces it. And I literally felt God speaking, Jason, you're going to begin to gather and you're going to begin to galvanize and mobilize the Asian faith community. You got to begin to leak the DNA. You got to begin to create a culture with our people. And in the process, I started a Facebook group, started an Instagram and Sean and literally about three months, it exploded to over 20,000 different private members, followers, fans through all of our platforms it's well over 21,000 people 3 or 4 months no, 20,000 people it exploded and they're all asian believers around the world and in america and here's the craziest part Sean it happened at a time where literally there was this this passion this conviction to believe now is the time and like many ministers in america they believe 2020 god was doing something you might you know this Sean in 2020 there were over 20 stadium gatherings planned but they all got hijacked and stopped or prevented. And so in the midst of all this, feeling like Asia's rising and everything that was happening in the media, crazy rich Asians, uh, different things you're seeing as far as in media, television, Hollywood, music. And then what happens? COVID-19. Then what yep. happens? Anti-Asian hate. That's right. The voice being shut down. The people. Like one, one week we're celebrated, the next week it felt like seemingly we were hated. This is all when Asia Rising was birthed and I didn't name it Asia Rising for anything that was activist based whatsoever. Wow, wow. God's doing something and now a year later, March 2021, a year later, Sean, this talk we're having right now, we are right in the thick of exactly where we were last year. God's saying something, Sean, I'm telling you. I agree, man, I agree. To see the way that God is just brought this catalytic promotion. Now, people may or may not know this. I think most people don't know this, but my grandfather was 100% Asian. So that would make me a fourth uh, Asian. Uh, my, I'm between my dad and my mom. I'm probably five eighths African-American, if you want to break it down like that. Kind of sounds like I'm doing the ancestry.com. And I'm one eighth, a mixture of Cherokee and Scottish Irish. So hey. I'm, I'm, I'm an eclectic. That's thing. eclectic. So when I saw this thing break out in 2020, it was very interesting because, of course, we had Ahmaud Arbery, followed by George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and there were others that it really obviously became a year where, although God didn't send the coronavirus, I believe that he used that season exposed things that have literally been in the seedbed of American soil and psyche, and God is dealing with it. 
Mm. And then about the same time, again, I'm not making a political statement, but there were some people obviously that ran with the whole aspect of the coronavirus being quote unquote, the China flu. And and as a result of that, there came all this hate and vitriol towards Asian Americans. And uh, the crazy part about it is the Asian Americans uh, were here and they're kind of fearful. They're afraid. They're looking at this thing going on. So in light, Jason, of what's happening in America, COVID, but the recent, I would say, harassment uh, that has taken place uh, with Asian Americans, talk to us about that. Speak to us about that. Yeah, Sean, that's a great question. Just in light of everything happening right now in America, you know, many people are seeing it in the mainstream news the past three days, but it happened just recently. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and pretty much the story is there was a man, a 21-year-old Caucasian male, and he actually went to three different massage spas that were all spread out by 20, 30 minutes. So these are spread out locations. And he actually, with a weapon, he shot eight people. Uh, Eight people were murdered. Actually, one person's injured. So he shot nine people. Eight people were murdered and six of them happened to be Asian women. And these are at Asian owned spas that were throughout Atlanta. And so everything obviously hit the mass media and, you know, from labeling it a hate crime, but then many people have been seeing, they're saying that it's not a hate crime. And there's a lot of argument and debate around this, but this happened and most people would see it and just think that, oh, that's terrible. Just like the Boulder shooting, the 10 that were just killed, lives that do matter. That's right. right? Say that. So that, so there is that aspect, but the part that is, that a lot of people don't see that what just happened with Atlanta is that this has been ongoing as far as research stats for the past year alone. Some of the numbers, it goes pretty much like this. In the past year, across across the nation in cities in America, there's been a 149% increase of Asian hate, anti-hate crimes, harassment, racism, xenophobia that has happened in America just in the past year. Uh, in New York alone, there was a 1900% spike uh, of these same things. There's hot wow. spot cities that are obviously in San Francisco, they're in New York, they're in LA, and this is happening. And it's crazy, Sean, there's a lot to say in this. We could do a whole podcast just on these numbers and breaking it down and having the understanding of the nuances. But just this weekend, I, if I had the pictures and I could show the videos, there's easily over 30 people that have been brutally beaten, bloody, dragged. One one, one lady in, in San Francisco, she was a believer, Asian believer. Literally, mm-hmm. someone came to rob her. She kept, she held on. Literally, she got drugged. It's on the, it's on the internet right now. She got drugged for like a block and literally... Like this just happened in SF the other day. My fr- this weekend, my friend Crazy. called Sunday Fiona from Toronto. She's Chinese in her 30s, single, and she literally said, "Jason, I just had a hate crime happen to me this morning." And she literally said, six teenagers. They started yelling these racist remarks, pretty much calling her an F and B Asian." Wow. Literally, wow. she was to avoid them, and then she walks to the other side of the street. And then one of the guys throws a lighter at her head. Wow. So she calls the cops. It's this whole thing. They find those kids. Point is, she doesn't even press charges. She had her reasonings for it. But like, this is just two. I could name 30 that happened just in the past four or five days. It's every day 
where so to give people an understanding that are listening and and there's so much out there but it's not being promoted where one of the the biggest groups it's actually over almost 8% of the people that are being attacked are the elderly wow your grandma or your grandpa or or your parents they are the ones that are being targeted and literally being tackled being beaten being punched this is happening in broad daylight like for, wow. for, for no other reason than the fact that they are Asian or children that actually have been killed and murdered. And then the other one that's the highest that have been targeted is actually women. So this wow. is happening and we're talking 3,800 incidences and no one's talking about it. Wow. And the only time we've talked about it is what just happened in Atlanta. And then it hit the major news sources. And then, you know, the media never waste a story. Make right. sure you find the narrative. And now it's being greatly politicized. Man, uh, because I too have been very aware of this. I, I was very impacted by Jeremy Lin playing the NBA. Many people that know the NBA know the New York Knicks stint, Lin Sanity. Jeremy Lin is a Asian uh, professional basketball player. He actually prepped in our area, but he was playing in the G League in the bubble. Uh, he's with the Warriors affiliates and they're looking at moving him up. Uh, he was called coronavirus on the court. Yep. And we know... You know, you grew up, I grew up uh, inner city Oakland. You know, you grew up, you know, there in NorCal. So you understand, you know, you get to playing basketball, you'll cut up a little bit, you'll talk trash, but everybody understands the line that's crossed. And to his credit, he initially obviously let the people know that that was said. He didn't do that publicly. He could have called out the name of the person that did that, but he's such an honorable believer. Many of you don't may not realize Jeremy Lin is a strong Christian. Strong. He handled it. The NBA is addressing it. In the midst of it, though, I've seen him become much more of a vocal activist. But it's sad, like you said, that there has to be these kind of like catalyst moments where all of a sudden we're awakened to the fact that there's been this level of atrocity. You know, I hear about this too, and maybe Jason could speak to this, is that for all these statistics that we're hearing about, there's a bunch others that aren't reported because of what is called, and a lot of Asians feel what's called the model minority myth. Can you just kind of speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a great point is that so many of the stories aren't reported and they're not going to be reported. And even just the past 20, 30 years, many of my friends, their parents that immigrated, they came here. They're, they're, they're technically the new, new to America. They want to live the American dream. They don't speak English. They're just trying to get by and grind and hustle and build a life for their children. And many of them suffered violence, suffered hate crimes, harassment that we are never going to hear about. And what's happened, it's very unique, the model minority. Right now, the model minority, in essence, is saying that the Asian community, they've kept their head down and in their in their strength, in their excellence, in their ability, they have rised in society as far as jobs, as far as success, as far as moving forward, coming to America as immigrants, but building and taking advantage of the American dream. And they are the model minority that is beginning to lead the way. And in essence, they don't cause any problems. They're not stirring the pot. They're not confronting anything. And for the most part, they just fit so great in society. That in essence is the model minority, where the reality is so many hate that term because that is that's a certain percentage of the Asian American community that fit a certain class or they have a certain job or, or this thing. But it, it's not a full picture because so many are actually ones that don't have a lot of money or that are in extreme poverty. 
the stats actually far outweigh those that are actually in the lower poverty level. But that's never being focused on or talked about. It's only this idea of the Asian community being the model minority compared to all the others. Man, and that's such a good point because I think so often we have seen in our nation that when there's racism, I think people automatically think of African-Americans, they think of Latino Americans, but I think you're right up until maybe just recent, and I'm so glad we have you on the show, I think we've been ignorant that there's been Asian uh, discrimination Asian hostility, hate crimes, et cetera, that have been happening throughout. And with the whole COVID thing, it's just gone through the roof and it's just totally unacceptable. So in your estimation, Jason, what has the church done or could do to address this so that we can help what's going on in our nation? Because if it's affecting Asians, it's affecting the church, it's affecting God's heart. Yeah, Sean, even as we're having this conversation, I'm just realizing, man, there's so much content I think you you could speak to this very much being a black man in America, but I think right now the Asian American, the majority of them feel very invisible and unseen. They feel like a perpetual foreigner, even in our own country. And honestly, we're not recognized and we're not featured in media near as much as any other group. And we're not talked about, even look at the stories I've just told you, 3,800 incidences and you're not hearing about it in the news. And I just think there's just such a lack of a spotlight on actually these issues, these struggles, and just our people. And I think there's a lot of dynamics to that for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of dynamics to that. But my heart is that so many of my friends that are non-Asian, that are leaders in the church, that they would begin to engage this conversation because as an Asian American who's an adoptee, who the majority of my friends' family are all white. I want everyone Mm. listening to this conversation to know I am not pushing a narrative about just classic white supremacy and the oppressed versus the oppressor and that, man, all of our problems is due to the white man. Trust me, if you know me and you know my family, they're all white. That is not my narrative. That is not what I'm pushing. In in that, I'm just trying to make it aware we can't see a, a group of people in America suffering like this, a spike like this, and there not being attention, not being an awareness being made, even people that are black, white, Hispanic, reaching out to the Asian community and simply just asking, are you okay? None of that's happening, Sean. Wow. wow. And and then the the classic thing that's going to be brought up is this. They're suffering everywhere. Sex trafficking, the numbers, you know, outrageous. Abortion, outrageous. All the different areas. The shootings in Boulder, outrageous. So everywhere they're suffering. So why is this specifically so special? And I think what's very specific about this is we talk about all of us being made in the image of God. And then the Asian community right now, this is key. Only 5.6% of America is Asian, Sean. Mm. So you have this focus where multiple times a day in major cities in America, Asians are being attacked that happen to be the elderly women and children every day, Sean, that we are only 5.6% of this nation. There is a heightened focus when there's 3,800 of those incidences that have spiked in just less than a year. Wow. And it's not to diminish the pain and diminish all the other areas where there is the loss of life and those were precious souls before the Lord. And I just think right now, because everything has been politicized, you have people on the left that are swinging a very strong liberal narrative, Marxism that truly in many ways is trying to pin us against each other and really anti-whiteness. 
and cancel right. culture. But then you swing to the far, far right, and they're just not even engaging in this conversation altogether for, for many reasons and even just being guilty by association and not wanting to coming under a narrative that is far left leading. And so there's this thing where they're not engaging, but then what's happening is the Asian people, what happens when something happens in our nation and there's an explosion? I'll rewind. Last year when BLM exploded, George Floyd, they had a movement. And within one month, they had the entire world. They could have moved anything. There was power. But what happened was the unified narrative got broke down because of violence because of the different things where it was no longer in- inclusive, but it was exclusive. And so what happened, right. the church wasn't giving a voice to this. So all they could do was come behind a movement that was hashtag BLM. Right, right now, a year later in the Asian community, the church is not engaging. We're not giving a voice and we're not we're not relevant to the actual struggle right now in America. And so what is Asian Christians and non-believers doing? They can't look to the church And the only thing we can come under is hashtag stop Asian hate, which is mostly driven by a liberal left narrative Mm. that many don't see. And I get it. It's very tricky. It's very subtle. It's deceptive. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I think of, of all of this, whenever there is a vacuum from the proper biblical voice, the enemy always fills the vacuum. And I think what happens is in the church, we've actually adopted kind of an unchristian, when I say the church, not everyone, but many sectors and in terms of a national voice. Because during the the civil rights movement, the Southern Baptist Leadership Council, of which Dr. King was a part of, Pastor Appenathy and others, those guys led the narrative for civil rights movement. So as a result of that, it attracted people of different races. We know that there were Jewish people that were very much a big part of the march there in Selma. But what it was is that because he gave leadership and oversight, it was the church speaking to it. So he was able to guard and speak and just say that, hey, uh, you're not right if you hate your brother. He could include in the narrative that one day the son of former sharecroppers and the son of former slaves can sit down at a table and eat together. And we've got some mutual friends Um, Will Ford and Matt Lockett that literally fulfill that prophetic word. They do. So here's the deal. We've come to the point where, unfortunately, we've adopted a me first, you next mindset in the church. Like we're going to take care of our purposes and our thing and whatever we feel is our agenda in that moment. And then, okay, the other group's next. But that's not how Jesus operated at all. It's not me first, you next. Jesus was it, whoever is the disenfranchised, who's ever the disregarded, whoever it is, that's why he could take the Samaritan and make him the hero of the story, because he was always willing to adopt literally the mindset and the heart to reach out to the hurting. And pure and undefiled religion is reaching out to people that are marginalized, man. And I, I feel like we got to get our voice back. And we play the role of the ostrich when we're called to be the eagle. And obviously an ostrich sticks its head in the sand, but the eagle soars and looks down, has this incredible vision. Come on, It's time for us to move from being ostrich churches to eagle churches and to get our prophetic edge back. And we have to be a voice. We have to be a voice because I think of, like you said, the 5.6% of Americans that are Asian and the number of people that are people of color that if the uh, North American church, and obviously we have a lot of nations listening, and this is true of any nation, if if we can't be that church of revelation of every tribe, tongue, and nation, 
If we can't be that church, then we're not God's church. Amen. That we we become a facsimile of ourselves. And I think that's such a key thing. And unfortunately, situations like what just took place in Atlanta. So I feel like as the church, there has to be something. What is something that an individual Christian can do as an in, on an individual basis that can somehow help the cause of our Asian brothers and sisters in this in this season? Yeah, well, I think first is to begin to dive in and begin to just learn what is happening. And beyond just mainstream media, which isn't covering near the amount of stories. So I think learning first is like what actually is happening. As an Asian and as a conservative here with all the values we carry, you know, not to not to just blow up our spot and get people there, but you can go to Asia Rising and we are creating a link with education and actual links that's actually leading you to news stories so people can be made aware and begin to get educated. Uh, I even put this thing as far as regarding Asian history, huge amount of history with the Asian community that has just been buried and it's not talked about in schools. So that's even true. beginning, so I just think it's leaning in and I know everyone listening to this podcast, I know they I know they, I know y'all love God. So it's just first off saying, God, man, I just want to know. I want to first know what's, what's happening. I think second is reach out to those brothers, reach out to those sisters. And you don't even have to have the answers. You don't even have to know what to say. You don't, you don't need to know any of that, but just literally it could be as simple as this. I've gotten some of these texts and literally it could be, Hey bro, how you doing? I saw everything happening right now in the news. You came to my mind. I just want you to know, man, I'm here for you. That does so much to people and an Asian, someone in the Asian community who actually feels like they're not taken seriously and they're actually an invisible minority in America. And you're, you're, you're coming in there. So I think number two, number two is reach out, connect, make a phone call, just be there. I think that's huge. Create space. And in the moment, you may not even know what to say, but just listen. And you don't even have to give a good answer. Just say, I don't even know what to say, but I want you to know I'm here for you. I'm listening. I see you and I'm praying for you. Secondly, I think because we have, I think you, your influence, Sean, is a lot of leaders. A lot of people, organizations, churches, movements, whatever it is where they're they're being, they're obviously being missionaries in their sphere of influence. I think number one, one of them it would be to begin to pray and begin to give airtime to this. Preach a message actually even on this. And don't just make it just about Asians, make it about all people. Make it about all the areas of injustice. And this could be a chance to even begin to mobilize your church into even greater godliness and true religion. But I'm saying like if, at, at your prayer meeting, bring up an Asian from the from your community. Have them share what they're experiencing. Pray for the Asian community, maybe that prayer meeting or at your service. I think there's so many things that can be done that is showing that we see you, we hear you, and we're behind this. And this doesn't have to be politicized, but you are our brother and our sister and our neighbor, and we're here for you at this time of pain. I think those are wow. some, those are some initial, extremely practical, but they can go a long way. And I, for me, I text someone last year during BLM and all of those things, and I text many of my black friends and literally just said, hey, I'm here for you. Everything I'm telling you, I've done for my black brothers and sisters. And then you know what happened? Just two weeks ago, he literally texted me, one of the guys, AJ, I remember last year you checked in on me. I'm checking in on you. It's just starting there, learning, reaching out. Sean, I just got to throw in this last thing, and it, it's kind of related to even what we were talking about, how so many people don't know how to engage or if they have permission to engage, or I don't want to be guilty by association. 
Uh, I just was texting a very well-known Christian Asian influencer. And she literally was saying, Jason, I haven't engaged yet because I just don't know how. But she's someone that has influence that can speak to this. Because what happens is it's just like a football game and you're the referee. And there's two game, there's two teams. And you have to be someone who's non-biased and have the ability in a kingdom mindset to throw the flags. And when you see things that are wrong, whether it's the left, whether it's the right, and you see truth on either side, that you can point those out in a non-biased way. But what happens is because so many people are married to a political party, they're blinded by even where they're at and they, they can't engage with this radical middle where I believe the truth is, where Jesus is. And I say this, I use that story. I knew I took heat last year. I led a protest with 400 Asian American Christians in downtown LA. And we did it for black lives. And we it was a prayer vigil, worship, the whole thing, black testimonies, Asians praying, interceding in LA, social distance with masks. We did that. But I know some people didn't understand why I was doing that. And I stood up there on that stage and I said that this is not political to me. And literally in the same breath saying Black Lives Matter, we honored the chief of police right there for LAPD, Hispanic. And we said, all the police lined up, police, you matter. Police, we see you. And it was, so my point was like, you can stand for truth, but you're not going to please everyone. The black community was suffering. Right. And the same way for the Asian community right now, it'd be That's it's right, the Jason. same situation. That is so profound. This, subject, was, this, this was hard, Sean. I hope it, Bro, I hope, I hope you, it came across. You did it justice. Hey, how can we stay in contact with you? How can we follow you personally? Well, I appreciate that, Sean, given the plug. Just for me, it's Jason Tyler Nettles. I think the best is just Instagram and everything else is connected. Uh, and then honestly, as far as Asia Rising, it's just Asia Rising underscore. And from there, you're going to find everything, the links, our private Facebook page with 8,000 Asian believers and all the different connection points, the resources that I talked about today. So anyway, Asia Rising, you can go there. And uh, I appreciate all the support. And thank you guys just for tuning in today. Oh my goodness. I hope people grabbed everything that was poured out in that conversation. And I love how Jason is using the platform, his life, his story, right. but also what God has put in him for this hour. It's so profound. It's so needed. And something that was so powerful that he brought out that I just want to kind of come alongside and highlight again is that, you know, the Asians for so long have suffered in silence because Asians are a don't tell culture. And it was so interesting to hear from his perspective, how God is arising and even even as I shared at the very beginning, those stats that Daniel Day Kim shared, he also talked about that there is 23 million Asian Americans in the current U.S. population. And he said this statement that really complimented what Jason said, and that is, and they are getting wake, they are waking up in this hour. And I just believe God is arising the Asian Americans in this moment. As always, we have a Keep It 100 takeaway, and this week we just have one, and we're calling it the Fight for the Burning House. That's the call to action, friends. That's the call to action for this week, Fight for the Burning House. You know, Jesus said it in Matthew 25, 40, and it reads, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And the least of these is simply referring to the forgotten, the vulnerable, the poor, the marginalized, the overlooked, 
people that are at risk, people in this nation that are of color and people that are often needing someone to come alongside and advocate for them. We're calling that the burning house principle. So for you to really understand that, let me break that down. It's when the firefighter goes to the block where there's a fire burning and the house that's on fire that's currently threatened and is at risk is the Asian American house. You know, we've talked about the African American house that's on fire. This week, we're talking about the Asian American houses that, that is on fire. And we have to understand if we ignore the house on the block that's on fire, then ultimately the whole block burns down and we all lose our homes. And we have to understand you and I are called to love people cross-culturally. We're called to run to the burning house. We're called to come to the aid of people that are in crisis, that are in need, that have a cause that God cares about, which applies to racial reconciliation. But I love how my husband, Sean, brought such a beautiful point. He's like, let's take it farther. Let's take it beyond just reconciliation. Let's actually, let's aim for redemption. Let's aim for racial redemption. What God created and intended within the races, let's be a part of the story of redemption. Keep it 100 tribe. We want to close out this episode. And I just want to make a couple closing remarks. First of all, not that we want to overly dwell on the victimization of any culture. And neither do we want to get caught up in white blaming and white bashing because that's not the heart of Jesus. And we're called ultimately to be a new race and new people in Christ Jesus. But if we do not have the conversations with people outside of our own race from a different perspective, we will never connect. We will never know the struggle. We will never fulfill the discipling of the nations that Jesus commanded us to in the Great Commission. So as believers, we have no other option. We must lead this conversation and we must be the bridge. Oh yeah, and one other thing. Somebody in the woke community says we need to let other ethnic groups do their own heavy lifting and not be their mules. Let me just say this. In Christ, the Bible calls us to love people cross-culturally and the Bible calls us to be burden bearers for others. So you have to understand the way forward is not the mentality that says we're going to leave other people to do their heavy lifting, but that we're the ones that also say, hey, let's lift this together. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Keep It 100 Tribe. You do not want to miss our next episode where we're going to have the conversation on getting your all back and regaining your sense of wonder. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it